get let's let's get on this thing. <clears throat> do do do. You like our music? I do. Yeah, it's nice. Oh, it's jovial, very uplifting. God. Yeah, I feel like it's. That's weird because I still don't see video on mine. Building to something. I don't know why I'm. I you've got. You seem a little got, up. Is it the donut? Yeah. I always make sure Carly has video. Carly, you got video? Shout out to Randy's Donuts. You know who you are to me. Randy's Donuts, yeah. Telling you. Yes. Okay, we're good. By the way, how are we positioning for the camera and stuff? Uh, Yeah, she's got you all set. She's got you. Wait, don't want to cover your face. Slide this over a little bit. There. Yeah. Perhaps we can do something to change his face. (laughs) Exactly. Can we do anything about that? No, okay. All right. Anyway, uh, we're live right now. We're on Facebook Live. We're on YouTube Live. We're on LinkedIn Live. We're Hello, on... Planet Earth. Yes, we're all over the place. Uh, so if you're out there uh, listening and watching, please stay tuned. We're going to prepare our show for this Saturday. We're going to be on KDWN at 11 a.m. on Saturday. What uh, temperature and... will you be cooking the show at? Uh, 375 is my standard. 375. I right? go 375 yeah. just about for everything. Not too dry. Yeah. Not it usually... too, like, too long. For the turkey, you started at 450 to get that little bit of a crust going, and then you drop it down to, three, to 350. Then so that's what you do. That's yeah. how you get that. Nice I do slow. that with the ladies. I start up fast, and I slow it down. <laughs> yeah. Start up fast, slow it down. <laughs> that's not what I heard. Anyway. I'm in too hot. <laughs> he started fast, and it's yeah. over. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going down the wrong path here, guys. Yeah, I, okay, I, I so, um, uh, when you listen uh, to the show or you're paying attention now, you're going to hear uh, our chairman, Mark Stark, from Berkshire Hathaway. You're also going to hear John hey, Ingram. Hey, Mark. Yep. Hello, John. <laughs> you're going to hear John Ingram as well, and we're going to be talking about yes. a lot of things today. I know we uh, the, the, the great topic we've got, John came up with this idea, and I think it's a brilliant idea. We're going to talk about the three questions you need to ask yourself if you're a buyer right now, whether or not you should buy now or, or wait. Yeah, everybody's trying to figure out the timing. Is now the time? Is it not the right time? Here's some questions. Here's some questions. And then I, t- I, I so I'm, I'm going off of that, and I'm doing the same thing for sellers. We're going to talk about for sellers as well. The three questions you should ask yourself, should I sell now or should I wait? That That's the questions that I'm, we're going to go through today. Love it. And I'm, I'll bet Mark has something to say about both of those things. I think I will. I yeah, I think not. he might. I, I mean, think he just might. That might be good. I also have. Take it with a grain of salt, people. I, I, have, <laughs> I have articles. It's the same stuff, basically. Uh, although, uh, I will say, lots of. Uh, what, Las Vegas home prices did drop below the U.S. average again. Now that we've came down, we've come down. Our median price is now below the United States average, which is yeah, interesting. The number too. is like 44, 38, yeah. 440-ish, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's in here. It's, um, I assume yeah. that's median home sales price? Maybe it isn't in here. I don't see the number. Son of a gun. Where is it? No, I don't even see the number, right. John. But it just says we're, we fell below. Uh, we fell 2.4% below, and it just says we're, we're below national average. It doesn't say the numbers. It's okay. interesting. Anyway, the other thing is is that builders, we know builders' uh, sales are sharply down from last year. That's another article Eli Siegel wrote in the RJ. And thirdly, and this is something I think Mark will like too, is I found this in Inman News, and it's predictions from an economist, Matthew Gardner, for the 10, the, the ten uh, top things that, are, that he believes are going to happen in 2023. So looking forward. Top 10 predictions. For 2023. Related to? Real estate. Real estate specific. Okay, cool. 2023. Yeah, so we'll look at those things. We'll talk Can about we give that. each one of those a thumbs up, thumbs down? Can we yeah. take a vote? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, right. uh, well, I don't know them. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, you want to hear them first. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. I agree we can, with we some can and say we. Others, okay, so. I think we can do that. All right, so let's just get started. Let's do our show. Here we go. All right. <clears throat> Mark. Shh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Mark. Mark. <clears throat> yeah, Mark's, Mark's a real problem. We're trying to start the show yeah. all the time. Zip it. John. Shh. 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 <laughs> John. <laughs> All right, here we go. 
Welcome to our show. This is Las Vegas Real Estate Now, where we bring you the three E's, educate, empower, and engage. We want to help you to make your real estate decisions wise ones for you and your family. I'm your host, Harvey Blankfeld of the Blankfeld Group at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, and we have over a century of collective real estate experience. I'm a licensed agent here in Nevada. My NRED number is S.00488897. On this program, we're dedicated to delivering timely, balanced truths about local market conditions. If you ever have a question or an idea for our program, please call or text me at 702 702- Two zero three one one six five again. That's seven zero two two zero three one one six five. Today we have some outstanding guests. We have a returning grand champion, that being John Ingram from Hi-yo. Prosperity Home Loans. Welcome back, John. Thank you very and John, much. what is your NMLS number? Uh, five five two five nine six. Got that out of the way. And then, the and then we also have our chairman, Mark Stark. Welcome back, Mark. Uh, nice to be back. Thank you. Great to have you back. He's not responsible for anything, so he doesn't have to get a license. <laughs> right. That's it. There you go. Um, no, he, well, he's responsible for a heck of a lot, but he doesn't have to have a license for it. How about that? No, I think it's people below him oh. that are responsible. Is that what it is? He just takes the credit. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> All right. All right. There you go. So anyway, John, you had this great idea to talk about today, and I think it's well, a brilliant you. idea. Thank uh, you. So um, we're going to talk first. The first is the three questions any buyer should ask themselves right now to determine whether they should be buying now or wait. Is that yeah. right? Is yeah. that right? Did I get that right? I've got three questions. Okay, go ahead. Give us three questions. Go ahead. Give them to us. All right. And, and, and maybe answer, answer this for yourself as you go. So, first question um, in this list is, do you believe you are financially stable Okay. with where you are right now, right? Because the idea is homeownership tends to be a long proposition. You need to be able to afford that for a long time. If for, and, and knowing that we're going into somewhat, we all believe, a more challenging financial environment right. uh, for businesses, if you're not feeling entirely stable with your jobs, if you feel like, hey, this could go up or down, or down, right. or I lose my job, or I might have to make some financial change, that would be a reason to potentially hold off. Or if you feel safe and stable, great. That's the first on the list. Okay, so so I'm, I'm, if I'm feeling sta- stable, I move on to question two. Yep. Which question two? Question two. Do I believe that I can own this house for the next five years or more? Okay. So time of ownership matters. And, and it really addresses, I think, the, the biggest concern that I, or the, like one of the first concerns I hear from people all the time is, you know, we're trying to predict, is it the right time to buy? Like is now, I don't want to buy high and have houses go down and this sort of thing. If you have a time horizon of five years or more, that's really kind of washed out. It's safe. Yeah, yeah because um, if you do the math on it, generally in a normal market, not one that's going crazy high or crazy low, a normal market, it'll take you about three years of owning that house to be able to recoup the costs of buying and selling. Right. Okay? So that's what, how long you need to stay there. If you go there five years, you're likely to make money on the average transaction if the historical norms play out. Right. right? Um that's all you can sort of rely on. You can play for the averages. It's always good to think of yourself as the average when it comes to this stuff, not the the uh, 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 the abnormal. Right. right. So if you can own that house five years, it's a reasonably good decision to go ahead and, and be able to buy. Okay. The third question is, can you afford the payment? The idea of having conversations about whether you like where interest rates are or you don't like or you like how high prices are or how low prices are doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's can you afford the home that fits the needs of your family? Right. If the answer is yes to all three of those, it's the right time to buy. Yeah. If the answer is no or you cannot clearly answer any of those, then the answer is no, it is not the right time to buy. Wait. Doing anything else, trying to time the market as far as... 
I want to wait until house prices come down and then I'll buy um, is a fool's game. Ultimately, yeah. you yeah. can't do it in the stock market and you can't do it in housing. Yeah. But it's, I, I will say, that it's very rare for house prices to go down substantially. Right. Um, there was, of course, everybody's favorite memory is 2008 and the two through, you know, those years of the crash and that sort of thing. Absolutely happened. But that's abnormal for the state of Nevada. Yeah. We don't have that. California, yeah. different thing. California does go through booms and busts in home values all the time, but Nevada doesn't. Right. And has not historically. It did in 2008. Got it. There you go. Um, so that's my three questions. Okay. I think it's fairly straightforward. What do you guys think of that? Mark? Good. You wanted to say? I, I, you know, I think the first, the first, my first point would be the Why five. Want... I, I question the five years. I, oh, I, I think it right. might be, I think you could probably. I mean, five years is extra safe. I think that the reason you set it up that way, it's extra safe. Yes. I think it's a conservative number. I think if you, if you know you're going to be there for three, I think that's okay. Um, sure. And, and then you're you're better off than renting at that point. I think. Yeah, mathematically, that, right. you're, you're, as soon as you reach the three-year mark, you are better at You've at absorbed the cost of buying and selling that, already. Agreed. Okay, okay. So that's, that's the only thing I would say. And my comment before in, in, in the last several months has always been, hey, if there's a house out there you, that you like and you can like and you can afford buy it don't don't let the market dictate that decision sure if you can afford it and you like it it's the right home and you can afford it buy it just do it because it's gonna it's gonna pay back yeah over time and i've anyway. said this on previous shows but it, you know goes back to that the saying of real estate is buy and then wait yeah it is not wait and then buy there it is that's just that's just not how it works what do you think mark well the only thing i would add certainly agree with uh, virtually all of that. A couple areas I'd push back oh, on. Oh, yeah, I want to hear it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but it. I, I will say <laughs> it should start with an initial, um, not only, it's not really a question, it's more of an overall concept. And, and we do it in, in, in business as well. So from, from a standpoint of what clarity, what do you truly want to have happen? Because when we look at, when we isolate questions before we really know where we want to be, we tend to make mistakes. It goes back to what you're saying is, is look it for me to be happy. I need an office at home. I need this. I need this. Okay. Let's go through financial questions. Well, you answer those financial questions. You're not really kicking into what you really want. So I think you start off by saying, look, separate from money, separate from anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is what, do we want? And something we teach sales executives, and I would do this for investing, I would do this for consumers, I do it for business, is it's never the market. Never the market. Right. It is always us. Yep. It always starts with us. So you look and go, look, I don't care what the interest rates are. I don't care what that is. What's my situation? What do I really want to see happen? And let's say you go, okay, this is what I want. Now, going back to John's questions, you answer those questions because mm-hmm. if you sit there and go, well, we want that, we want that, we want that, we can't afford it. All right, it. well, okay, so but make that real for me in, in so far as I'm a, I'm, I'm a potential buyer. Okay. How does, how does that come, become real? Because that, to me, I, that question is answered when I'm deciding where I, where I rent or where I buy. I mean, I, I, like I keyed in on, you know, like the features and the, the needs of my life and, and that sort of thing. Maybe I'm not latching onto where you're. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's more important. Look at uh, from this standpoint, it's not only the features of the house, which comes into play, but that's, that's part of the buying process. I'm talking about, look, I've got 
two children starting college, one in one year, one in two years, number one, okay? I want them to be able to go to whatever college they want to choose, and there may not be a, you know, I may not, they may not be getting a scholarship to pay for it, so I have to be ready for that, and I want that to happen. I don't want to have to not make that decision. So that's one aspect. We go, we travel every year. (coughs) We travel every year. That's really important to us, Mm, okay? okay? We travel during winters. It's just how we've done it. I don't want to give that up. Okay, uh, and I also this sounds terrible, but I take breaks in the heat of the summer. It's mm-hmm. just what I do. So that's your life. That's what you want. How you want to live. <clears throat> okay. Okay. And I think once you lay that down, um, you know, then you can start looking at the financial side, and certainly the buying <clears throat> process of specifically what you want amenities matters. But I'm talking more of the overall aspect of your life. Right. What do you really want to see happen? Because what that will do for you is yeah. once you hit your, the answers to your questions, and let's say today I can't afford it to get what I want, but now I have clarity on what I have to do. And then I can ask that question to say, okay, we want A, B, and C, and this is what we want to buy. What do we need to do in our lives to get there? Well, I'm going to you know, put in overtime. I'm going to get a side job. I'm going to do something else. We both are. You know what? We have a single uh, household income. We're going to go to a dual household income because guess what? We're okay with that because we get everything that we want. Mm, right. So once you start with that clarity, I think it brings you in the directions that will really tell you, okay, I'm clear. Yeah. I think, I think look, I think what Mark's talking about is, set, you know, you, be happy I mean, we're, we'd like to talk about financial elements to the properties. I mean, that's what we talk about because you're a lender and I'm a realtor. I, yeah, I don't understand these emotions he's talking about, I have to say. Exactly. He's but, talking about feelings but and stuff I, over here. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. When I'm showing property, and I could be working with the most analytical of people, and, and we know who they are, and, and I'm, I fall in that category myself to a certain extent. When they walk in the house, it's, not, it's, not num- it's an emotion. It's like, oh, yeah, this is home. It, it, I, it, I it, it ha- and it's a, it's a, a feeling. So one of the first things we have to convince our clients is is that let's not buy a home purely for financial reasons. Let's let's buy it also to make ourselves happy, to be in a place where we want to be. And, but one little pushback: if being happy is that financial, my payment can't be over yeah. two thousand a month. No. that's what makes me happy. Yeah, that is my thing, and I don't really care what the house looks sure. like. Sure, that's who I am. Right then. Lean towards that. Right. It's when you don't know that and you're making decisions and now your payment's 3000 and you're frustrated and you don't even know why. And the house is gorgeous. So, yeah, that goes down the, kind of goes down the concept of, yeah, I can afford 3000 but it stresses me out every month. Yeah. And I don't feel good. Yeah, let's not get mortgage poor. Let's not, that's never our objective. Never sure. to be mortgage poor. Hey, guys, this is a great discussion, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. we got a lot more to talk about, yeah. guys, so stay more tuned. More disagreements. <laughs> that was real. That was good. I love that. That was really good. Yeah, I don't know how you even edit that. That's the whole thing, almost. Yeah. We learned that John does not have feelings. <laughs> no, I, I really think you, you you taught us a lot about yourself here. And, uh, I mean, yeah. First of all, he's always tries to go high minded. I know. I know. Um, I know. You know. Yep. Honestly, he had no answer, and he's just filling. He's like filling. Like, BBS. Yeah, I love your segment. thing. I don't. Are you talking about the bathtub? Because, <laughs> Mark, you're missing the whole point. The bathtub really doesn't matter, does it? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like honestly, I'm still not all the way there. It's like I, here's, I guess here's my answer: is I feel like you're you're making a different point than the one that I'm centered on. 
and you're allowed to make a different point. I don't like it, but <laughs> it's a, you know. When we hit same. investors on Harvey's, you, it'll drive the point even better home. Okay, I promise. All right, so let's 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 do that. We'll do we'll do sellers. We'll do sellers now. I'm, I'm out of here. This All right, is <laughs> sellers. We'll do yeah. sellers now. Yeah, let's do sell. Let's talk about sellers. Let's do that. Here we go. Segment two. Hello, and welcome back to. Oh, <laughs> he always try. He's yeah, he's always trying to trip me up. How many segments do we have now? Four. Seven. Yeah, so we got plenty. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Okay, Here now, we go. Now segment he's two. Fired up. He's like, I'm ready to talk. Segment. Now we can go into the more. Segment two. <laughs> here we here we go. <clears throat> Welcome back. I'm Harvey Blankfeld. You're listening to Las Vegas Real Estate Now. We're here every Saturday at 11 a.m. If you ever have a question or an idea for our program, please call or text me at 702-203-1165. Again, it's 702-203-1165. With me now in studio, we have Mark Stark and John Ingram. And we were talking about... They won't let me leave the studio. The three questions. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'm going to start tightening the shackles if you keep it up. All right. Um, So uh, we talked about the three questions buyers should ask themselves about whether or not they should buy right now or wait. I thought it was an excellent topic and brilliant, brilliant questions. Three questions. Very, very, very concise. And I think the, the elaboration on that was also quite quite good. But let's talk about sellers now. And we, and we have two different kinds of sellers. We have homeowners, owner-occupants, and then we have investors. Okay. So let's talk about them. We're going to talk about them separately because I think that's important. And when we were talking about buyers, we are predominantly talking about home ownership. For not for investors, but let's just yeah, talk about. I mean, we might go back to that. Yeah. We might go back to that. I'll, I'll add some. Let's, let's we can throw some twists into that. this. But if we're talking about for home ownership for sellers, okay. So th- this is my three questions that I came up with. And, and hey, I own my house. I'm considering selling. You have got three questions. Here's the questions. One for can I afford to move? Okay, so when I say can I afford to move, do I have enough funds to to to, to do it either through the equity in my existing home or in the bank somewhere, can I afford to make this move? Because move, they cost money. That's the first thing. That's a simple right. question. Am I going to have yourself. a new mortgage? Can I afford that new mortgage? Exactly. All the payment things. may end up being a little bit higher than it is now because interest sure. rates are a little higher. That Can I afford to do that? That's the first thing. Number two is do I need to move? You know, Is there a job elsewhere? Are the grandkids uh, starting to grow up back in Pennsylvania and I need to be there? I don't want to be here because I want to be near them. My kids have moved on. I'm ready to downsize. I don't need all this space. It's too much to take care of. Right. Any one of those things where you say you really need to move. You have you have okay, a so, need to do that. All right. And the third one is, and this was one, I think this goes to what Mark was talking about last time. Does the home still fit? Does my current home still fit? Am I, is my home too big, too small? Uh-huh. Do I have, you know, did, I just had twins and I'm in a two-bedroom condo. You know, that's a problem. Um, did the kids just all move out and I'm in a 6,000-square-foot home? Uh, these are. Does is this home still work? For me? I really need a one story now. Yeah, yeah that left that, that left knee is not working like it used to. So, do okay. I need to be on a one story home? Does the home still fit me and my family? That's the third question I'm asking for homeowners. What do you guys? Uh, all right, go after those questions. What do you think, John? Um, no, I, I mean I like those. I'm trying to pick it apart because yeah. I'm a critical thinker. Yeah. Unlike. Mark well, but you have no emotions. What we heard yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, okay, so I'm a seller. Financially, we figured out, can I afford the new house? That sort of thing. Right. So in, none of your questions went to, are, am I going to make enough money? Um, what are your taxes? You didn't go into it. Was there a reason you didn't yeah. well, like, kind of d- dig at that? I think that all falls into a Ford. Into a Ford. I kept it fairly general. I went, yeah. If I could only have three questions, I had to keep them fairly general. Because well, I, I remember years ago now, Mark, with you, you said, I never make a real estate decision based upon taxes. 
Do you remember right. saying that? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and, I, and I don't. You, you want to make the decision based on the investment itself. When you start justifying, well, you know, it's probably not the greatest deal, but I am going to save on the taxes too, and I'm (laughs) going to do this, and I'm going to do that. Now, as we get, and I know we're going to talk about investors as well, but, you know, there are some people, and this is, this to me goes back to that, who I am, what I want, and what makes me happy, Mm -hmm. is let's say I'm, uh, I know I'm going to have a tax uh, a bill at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And I'm just one of those people, and I have friends like this, I don't pay taxes. I don't want to. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't care. <laughs> so what they do is they go in search of opportunities mm-hmm. that they can purchase and get the write-offs so they don't pay <clears throat> additional taxes. Sure. Right. And, and, and that's who they are. They would rather purchase more real estate yeah. than ever send the government sure. a check. It's I just th- I who think, they are. Sure. I think an aspect of this, as, as a seller, it's almost a little easier than being a buyer who doesn't own anything right now and is trying to decide whether or not to come into the marketplace. As a seller, if, if I'm selling something to go buy something, I'm either selling high and buying high, I'm selling low and buying low, right. so it's somewhat neutral in its, its right. impact that way, right? right? right. Your, your deal's going to be similar, whether it was high or low, either direct, in both well, you're, directions. You're assuming they're staying in the same market. Oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, if, so I'm, if I'm leaving Vegas and moving to Maine... I'm selling here, and I'm buying in North Dakota, mm-hmm. okay? I'm going to buy low... And I'm going to sell much higher, yeah. right? Yeah. And so a lot of that, and it can reverse, you know. Well, we see it every day with California, right? People are yeah. selling in California high, which right. is high for us, and coming here and buying lower. Right. right. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. But overall, I think when you're when you're trading houses, when you're taking the equity from one house and deciding to move it into another house, uh-huh. in general terms, the market doesn't matter. And, you know, what's happening in the market is not as important. If you're trading one house for another, you're just moving your equity sure. from one house and you're putting it into the other one. I think that, you, you know, particularly within the market, that's that's a no-brainer. If you're moving outside the market, yeah, you have to do some evaluations of the markets, perhaps. But if there's a need to move, you got to move. You don't have a right, choice enough. Right. Our assumption is, is that everybody who sells a home is going to want to buy one because they know home ownership has value as opposed to renting. That's the first. That's the first assumption yeah. I'm making right off the bat. So yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think that's a great point, though. Let's talk about investors, since I know Mark wants to talk about that. Let's 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 talk, let's talk about. Well, investors. let me let me throw in one more, on, and this ties into the buyers and sellers, and kind of the elephant in the room uh, on this one is, you know, when a market is adjusting, <clears throat> anyway. Okay, having your the right person on your team and in our world the right agent on your team be it buying or be it selling is imperative it's always important but guess what when the markets when the market's rising and you chose the wrong sales executive but you still did okay you don't feel it right you don't realize you left fifty thousand on the table because you made a mistake in an up market but it's still good because you made twenty grand and you're happy as a clam. Right. So it gets washed under the carpet. But in a market like this, without the right agent who truly understands what their job is and how they're supposed to protect you and help you based on understanding what you want, it is a tragedy to choose the wrong person to represent you in a market like this because mm. the house that you want to buy is out there. Yeah. 
it is out there, okay? Yeah. It's easy to say, well, you know, the market's crazy right now. It's just, you know, very <laughs> challenging. Yeah. This is it. Selling. Selling the property and getting the home sold in a market like this. So having my, my point there is having the right representation right now is key. So would you think a team that has over a century of real estate experience would be uh... – <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I might interview him. I, I don't know. I digress. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, let's talk about investors selling. Uh, and and this and investors. When we're talking about investors, this is right up John. This is all money. This is money. I mean, let's not even yeah, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. It's when I'll it, break out a calculator right now. So the first the first question for an investor is your. So is, when you say investor, I'm a person who owns rental properties or investment right. properties. I don't live in this. It's there for just economic reasons. Hit me. There you go. First question is: Is the home still profitable? As it was, is it still oh. is it still profitable? First of all, that's the first question. If it's still profitable, okay, then that's a question you want to ask yourself. If it's if it's yes, then it's probably hey, hang on a second, let's see what else we got going on here. Okay. If it's no, boy, you better be thinking about something because homes better be profitable. You better be making profit. I like that. The second one would be if if that's not the case, do you need cash? Is is, it, is the home uh, because because real estate is not liquid. I mean, you, if, if you're in a situation where you see, gee, I need some cash right now for this reason or that reason, yeah. that may be another reason for an investor to consider selling in this market right now. And the third one, is there a better investment out there instead of the one I already have? And I, you know, we, it, it, and I would say you could exchange that home for any other type of investment you want. If you exchange it for like-kind property, if you exchange it for another real estate investment, sure. you could do a 1031 and defer your taxes and not have to worry about it. Yeah. We're not going to do it based on a tax reason solely. But if there's a house out there that can give me better return, if I move my equity from this house into that house and I get a better return on, on investment, I get right. a better yield, I get a better cap rate, whatever sure. it is, however you want to describe it, then that's something to consider also. Those are my three three aspects of an investor owner considering whether they should sell now or not. Or wait, those, those are the three questions if I'm an investor that I came up with. Okay, yeah, I mean, I can see, I mean, the, the start made a lot of sense for me as far as, if, if it is not a profitable home for me on a cash flow basis, month mm-hmm. in and month out, I can see that why that would motivate me <clears> to, to choose this moment in time versus a different one, like say later, right. uh, to begin the, the selling of that property. Um, when you come to, it's a pr- profitable property, then what? I, ha- I need to have some other, mo- like my, my premise for owning that property, assuming it is profitable, must have changed in order for me to want to transact, right? Right. Like, either, I, like you say, I want the cash out for some other purpose. I want to roll it into a different investment. My time in that investment is up. Um, I mean, are there, are there market timing thoughts that should come into play there or time horizon thoughts that should come into play? That's my question. So if, if I believe that I'm going to maintain this money as an investment in either this property or some other one for another five years, then then making a decision um, now is maybe not as important. You know, yeah, you see where I'm going there? I, I do. And, I, and, and look, we're going to come up with a break in just a moment. So I don't, I don't want to cut Mark off. And I know he's got some points on this. But I, I just want to say that I think that when, we, when we're talking about inve- in, investments, and, and return and things of that nature. And it's very unlikely that real estate becomes less profitable over time because you've pretty much fixed your cost in terms of the financing or whatever that is. It, but sure. taxes go up, insurance goes up, yeah. other things can go up, and maybe rents don't go up. That's the possibility. It is possible, but it's, it's, it's pretty unlikely, but it does happen. Okay. Having said that, I, I, you know, I want to tease everyone and let you know that Mark's got some comments to make about this, but we're going to do them after the break. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll be back in just a few moments. 
Harvey, it's cool. This lady's listening. Her name's Rebecca. She's like, y'all are great. I'm from San Antonio, Texas here. Nice. Nice. What's her name? Rebecca. Hey, Rebecca. Thanks for listening. Hey, Rebecca in San Antonio. Thanks for listening. That's awesome. We love getting comments like that. Yeah. Yeah. Tell her to spread the word. Yeah. And ask her if there's anyone in San Antonio who wants to move to Las Vegas. (laughs) And if she likes me best, I appreciate it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, we'll come back and we'll let Mark chime in on investment sellers. I'm making my notes now. All right, there you go. Let's get right (laughs) in. That's so cheating. You can't really take notes. See, that's why he's the chairman. He's the cop. And you're just the grand champion. Yeah. (laughs) Which I mean, if we're on Jeopardy, we know which one we want to be. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. All right, here we go. Coming back. Welcome back. I'm Harvey Blankfeld. You're listening to Las Vegas Real Estate Now. We're here every Saturday at 11 a.m. If you ever have a question or an idea for our program, please call or text me at 702-203-1165. Again, that's 702-203-1165. With me now in studio, we have Mark Stark. We also have John Ingram here. We were talking about... Is there a reason you always say my name second? Yes, but let's not get into that now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll fill you in later. Oh, somebody will pull me aside. <laughs> I, just, uh, I just noticed a pattern there. Um, yeah. All right. Sorry, please. Thank you. Um, so um, before the break, we were talking about the different questions you should ask. The three questions you asked. So first of all, we talked about buyers in the first segment. Yep. Then we talked about sellers as homeowner occupants in the second segment. And then we got into the idea of sellers as investors. And we both made points. But I know, Mark, you had some things you wanted to chime in on as an investor seller. Should you sell now or should you wait? Yeah. And to me, again, not to be a broken record, Mm -hmm. but it all starts with ultimately what you're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. The first mistake that I see investors make is when they don't have clarity of what they really are trying to accomplish and what they need, what makes them happy, they tend to listen to other people (laughs) and go down roads that take additional risk. Oh, I like where this is going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... And, and, and they don't, even if they win, it doesn't change what they want in the first place. So they're taking additional risk to earn nothing that means anything to them. Right. I, I know, well, I want to maximize my return. And I always tell when someone says that to me, I go, really? I go, okay, so if we go for it and we try and maximize it, but it all blows up and you lose the money Is too. That okay? That's okay, right? Yeah. Because again, we're going to go for it. Right. And I know I can't, I, I can't lose that money. Okay. So maximizing your return doesn't sound like the only thing important to you. Right. So once you get clarity on that, it, it, it will answer a lot of these uh, yeah, questions. Yeah, I love that question. So like for, I own a rental property right now. Does this property still serve the original reason for that investment? Right. I like, I like that Correct. question. Yep. Exactly right. Second is, I agree, both of you said this is, you never buy a property for, you know, uh, prayers around equity. You only yeah, buy yeah. properties for cash flow. Yeah. Cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. There it is. It can be lower, okay? I have no problem it, it, you're saying I'm comfortable with that lower cash flow, but it's got to be cash flow. Yep. And then if the equity goes down, great, I'm making my cash flow. Equity goes up, I'm making my cash flow. Either way, you're not selling the property. You have the cash flow. It is what it is. You're covered. Yep. Um, the other aspect of this is now in a market that isn't just skyrocketing, the other thing you really have to have your agent do for you is you got to do homework around what do I see that supports the cash flow that the the investment is providing. So I'm going to do a rental house. Mm -hmm. Well, what is driving the rents in that area? Do I care that 
what if the schools are in that area? Okay, because if things get tougher, all right, other things are going to come into play. It's not so easy for me to want to move out of this house. Why? Well, I'm right in the school district for my kids. I'm right here. So as an investor, I'm going to choose areas with really good schools, okay, that are desirable. I'm going to pick areas that are desirable to shopping. I'm going to look at the demographics of the area because now I know, hey, not everything goes the way it's supposed to go. But if things adjust, I've got these other check marks that are protecting me mm-hmm. as things adjust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not as I mean, in, in, when you're talking about investment and attracting tenants, um, we can't obviously we can't discriminate, but we can see a predominancy in a certain area. We can say, OK, this this area seems to be filled with uh, families with young children, particularly young oh, children, right. like, that uh, happens, and that's who that's who I may want to attract for whatever reason, uh, because and that's so that's the neighborhood I'm going to look at. Yeah. Okay. So that that could happen. We don't. I mean, we don't profile. We don't. We certainly well, don't discriminate. Uh, this yeah. house is prime for Airbnb <clears throat> type short term right, rental, right. and that's the right. my you know, you know the type of investment I want to Indeed. make, and so that's in the right area yep. for that. Yep. Sure. I, I get that. I get that sort Match of Match the property with your desire of, of the type of property and the type of investment you want. I mean, in Las Vegas, it's, it's a we're we're unique in that. Our fourplexes are in areas of town that, that don't draw decent rent. They don't draw strong rents, but they do cash flow. They do cash flow very, very nicely. Mm. Do I want to be a landlord who's dealing with the idea that I have lots of transition in the property or not? That's a question that I want to be able to deal, contend with. I'm, I'm the kind of guy, I don't like a lot of transac- transition. I like a stable tenant. I'd love that tenant to stay there for 10 years and be, you know, just let me collect my rent and not have to worry about finding a new tenant or doing a, a multiple num- uh, maximum number of repairs on the property just to make it attractive to the next tenant. Well, and when you look at, when you bring that down to just an investor mentality is, okay, just like you said early on in the show is, you know, moving costs money. Well, taking one tenant out and putting a new tenant in costs money. So, you sit there and go, I can get another $100 a month, and that might be great, but what is it going to cost you to generate that $100 a month, and then how long are you going to get that yep. money? So that's a good computation that you need to go through. Yeah, you know, we started, when you talked about cash flow, Mark, we, we started doing this about a year ago. When, when I'm interviewing a, a potential landlord who wants to hire us for property management, I have a questionnaire I give them. I, I need you to fill us out. I need to know where you want to send paperwork, you know, all these things, these questions. And I added to it last year a cash flow analysis what's your mortgage what are your taxes what's your insurance what's your hoa fee um and and i want to make sure that based on that that their cash flow is sufficient to support the property the rent that we're going to be able to collect i need to make sure that they're going to be financially sound if they're not they need to be thinking twice about renting well and they might offer you more you know i just had one on on a a rental and uh my agent came back to me said hey this, they had two people, solid financials, right. good quality. The other one was offering two-year lease, right. but was paying a little bit less. <clears throat> the other one was offering, you know, a little bit more, but only wanted to do a one-year lease. Right. For me, I chose the two-year yeah. and took a little bit less because I would rather have that person in there for, for the two years. Right. So there's trade-offs between, but when you evaluate the dollars of what it cost, you need to do that. Yeah, because yeah, well. as you said, that transition costs money. Correct. You know, it costs money in a variety of methods and a variety of ways. And the, just, the, just the pure downtime costs money. You know, when I'm dealing with a landlord and we're talking about the rent that we're asking, and he said, and I say, hey, the house is worth $1,600 a month. That's what all the comparables in the neighborhood say. And he says, well, let's go for $1,750. My point to him is this. Just missing one month 
of rent. Yeah, it's your you, entire year. You lose. Profit. Yeah, you, you just lost the money. That sixteen hundred would have been nice to have this month when you got zero. Correct. As opposed to that seventeen fifty you might get next month, or right. maybe not. Right. You know, so we want to price. I mean, particular. I mean, the same thing goes for sellers. Obviously, but when you're talking about for landlords, downtime is devastating. It's just devastating to a right. landlord. It's the most expensive. That's why when you see these people. Uh, these property managers who think lowering, keep lowering their fees and that's going to bring me clients. What that assumes is every single house, regardless of the property manager, is going to rent as quickly as it would with anybody. Absolutely not the case. Not the case at all. Absolutely not the case. So be very careful who's managing that for you. Yeah. I I mean, you know, I I think we're competitive in terms of our rate structure, but we're not we're not going to try to compete with the guys who are just undercutting all that stuff. Plus, we're not we're never going to nickel and dime you to death either. They might show you a nice percentage out front, but then every time you do anything, they're going to charge you and and they they just keep hitting you for these other fees. You know, so I I find that just, you know, kind of bait and switch kind of tactic. uh, a little bit offensive. So th- th- walk out here with me. It's a slightly different area. But, um, once again, I'm a, a uh, investor property owner. And at what point should I be acting to sell my property based upon the time that I want to have that money invested? And so like m- simple answer here is, I'm going to keep this money invested for the next 10 years. Well, obviously, I can. there's no reason for me to sell. Right. If the property's cash flowing, that sort of thing, it's in there. Right. If, if I want my money out or I need my money in the next 12 months, mm. then I think it's obvious you should sell now. Well, yeah. Um, and so is there a line in the middle that resonates for you guys? Well, I, let, let me put my investor cap on. Yeah. Two, two things would adjust my decision process. One... Um, I see that the the uh, uh, value of the properties are raising at a level that rents cannot keep up. So I'm cash flowing right now, mm-hmm. but oh my God, the market has gotten so hot and <clears throat> now the property is worth that much more. Mm-hmm. It makes too much sense for me to sell that property, even on a 1031 tax deferred exchange where I'm putting in as something else, maybe I'm going from residential to commercial, whatever the case may be. Is. Right. But either way, I make so much money on the sale, my rents can't keep up. Yeah. So that's one. Okay. And then there's alternative. So I'm going to hold the property for 10 years. I'm five years in. I see an opportunity that I didn't know about. I know about it now. I need the capital from that. I'm either going to take a loan from that to get that done with the intention of selling it to get that paid off or whatever and and go into this new investment because I believe in this new investment and the new investment has much bigger upside than what I'm getting on my cash flow here. Mm -hmm. So those would be two areas. Okay. Um, This just occurred to me as we we were talking about this. As, as a property owner and an investor, does age of property really matter? Mm-hmm. Meaning like, okay, this property I know is now 20 years old. I'm likely coming up on some big repairs. Maybe I don't want to make those repairs. Let me sell uh, and move uh, to a newer uh, property. I've got a great answer for that because this has come up recent, with yeah. our recent market I- issues that we've had. I've had a couple of investors who came to us and said, hey, Harp, let me sell it. And, and my property needs a lot of work. And let me just sell it now because the buyer is going to pay whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever I right, want for it right. and let them fix it up and let me go get a brand new home or get, or get something sure. younger. So that does happen. Hey, listen, we're coming up on a break. We're going to talk more about that. We're going to come back in just a moment with more from Mark Stark and John Ingram. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, that just I – had, I had 
four listings from investors who wanted to try to sell the houses. They they all caught they didn't catch the market. They went, went too late, mm. and so all four of them are going right back in the rental pool. I mean, so it's kind of a pain in the ass. <laughs> sure. Pardon me. Pardon me. I didn't yeah, mean to say yeah, that. Yeah. Did I say that on the air? I'm sorry. Please apologize to the lady in Texas for pain me. Pain in the asterisk. Yeah. <laughs> You're allowed to say asterisk. Asterisk is that what it is? Yeah, asterisk. <laughs> but oh no. I digress. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I'm trying to get you away from the anatomy. Is that what it is? Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Digress. It's just language. Right? Asterisk. Okay. So. Body mouth. All right. Um, so you want to hit that final point and then move to articles? Yeah. Or is there is there more meat here that you guys want I, to get I, I have one point to share on the investor side. Let's do that. Of what you mentioned. All right. I'll, I'll consent that. to those two things. Let's and do that. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll just bring that up and then we'll go right to Mark's point. Here we go. Here we go. And this segment, by the way, guys, this is this segment. The fourth segment is the shortest of the four. So just okay. be prepared. Okay. Here we go. You be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. I'm Harvey Blankfeld. You're listening to Las Vegas Real Estate Now. We're here every Saturday at 11 a.m. If you ever have a question or an idea for our program, please call or text me. At 702-203-1165. Again, that's 702-203-1165. One day I'm going to make you show me those texts that you receive. I, I, I can imagine I, you get some stuff. I send you some stuff every now and then. You yeah, do get them you, every now yeah, and then. You give me the clean stuff. I want to know no, like, no, what no, is America no. Everyone is you. very, very nice to me. What They're always very ideas? nice to me. Um, and I was going to tell you guys that we have John Ingram here. We had Mark Stark. And, and I wanted to finish that little point I made before, oh, yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. before the break. Um, age of property and stuff so, like that. So, yeah, you asked about age of property. And I had several investors who were in our in, in, in our rental pool, and we and we managed our properties for them, who came to me and said, hey, Harv, listen, the market's crazy. Kind of what Mark was talking about. The market's crazy. The prices of homes are just nuts right now. Let me sell this house because it is getting older. I have one house that's in disrepair. It needs it needs this. It needs that. But a buyer will pay for it, and they'll do the repairs themselves. I don't have to yeah. spend the money. This was October last year. We yeah. sold no problem. But they came to the market a little bit late this time. They came as the market, and this market shifted quickly, yes. unfortunately. And so they came to Fastest the market a little bit late. History, I would say. Yeah, and so and and so yeah. Just the usually real estate we talk about real estate as being a huge ship. It's hard to turn it. It turns really slow. This one, this was like a speedboat. It just yeah. turned around on a dime. Yeah. Anyway, so so I did have that happen. And, and and these guys tried it, didn't get the numbers they wanted. They're going right back into the rental pool. That's what they're doing. They made the decision. Hey, listen, I see the sl- prices are slipping again. I'm not going to get the number I want. Let's just go back. Let's get the rent again. Yeah, got it. Uh, the only thing I was going to mention, which backs up what you were saying earlier, is you know, um, please make this a good one. There's there's REITs, as we all know, that mm-hmm. you know now about three percent of the properties <laughs> in the U.S. are purchased by some sort of Wall Street support company that's building rental neighborhoods in yeah. some way shape or form right yeah. blackstone out there another 20 billion mm-hmm. chase came out saying they're buying a billion dollars of rental real estate yeah it's yeah. it's it's yeah. now it's not going away it's no. going to be part of our environment yep. Yep. Forever. forever yeah yeah and in that just so you know what they do when they purchase any of these properties they have a you know a a, a benchmark of every single thing that's done so <clears throat> regardless you know the air conditioner cannot be more than five years old. And yep. if it is, we replace it. So, because for them, they want their portfolio to be identical. Yeah. And so when they have 10,000 homes in there, everyone can say, we know every air conditioner is, you know, earlier than this or yep. brand new. Yep. 
all this is the same. All this is the same. So those properties do get retrofitted, like you said. That, and that's a great point. You know, we we dealt with a company here that that, that was out of Phoenix that uh, during in the mid 2000s they bought a ton of properties. We helped them, and they had exactly what Mark was describing to us. They said, "Listen, we want here's what we want. Here's what we want homes. We, you know, only concrete tile roofs. We only want air conditioners that are less that than five years old." Purchase criteria. They had a list of criteria, and then they they had a cap rate they had to hit. If the cap rate's not this or that, I don't want it. And, and, and let me. I'm sorry. Go please, ahead. And but they had just kept adjusting the cap rate based on the market. It was funny. They were chasing the cap rate downhill. Mm-hmm. We could have had a ton more properties for them had they adjusted the cap rate earlier. Right. Uh, but they made decisions throughout. They kept chasing that market down. You know, downhill, and and they didn't get as many properties as they could. But they got a ton of properties that way. You know, it's funny. I, we dealt with some that were so rigid mm. uh, on the cap rate to the point of twenty dollars. Yeah. If it did not deliver yep. that it wasn't in the portfolio. And and they have other reasons for that because then they can say <clears throat> every single one of these properties delivers. Has a minimum cap rate. Correct. Yep, has a minimum right, cap you, rate. You poked the bear on this. Well, I'm just going to say I'm glad. Yeah. Every property they miss out on, good. <laughs> because... A, I don't want them turning the United States into a nation of renters, right. which they're entirely capable of doing. They can make enough money for themselves to buy every house in the United <clears throat> States if they want to, yep. and that's dangerous, and that's that's a, I'm going to use a terrible word, a cancer on our country. Right. And so keeping their percentage down is, without having to create rules that are un-American, yeah. is, is a good thing for us. I want... I want y- average joe and sally to own houses i don't need more of wall street to own houses you've heard me say this john yeah. i said i don't want i don't want to see the big I've corporations no. turn and here's yeah. what i've said i don't want to see big corporations turn residential housing into a commodity i don't want to see that happen that's yeah. not something i desire there, there I are think some hidden pitfalls they're at, clearly and and i think it's the one element of of wealth growth that individuals need to have it, it, it's the easiest form in my mind right. of personal growth for, for your own financial future right. that we still have access to i agree and and it's so important not every one of us is, i'm just going to say going to have a, a wonderful real estate company that they they build and, and they own right, or right. or this sort of thing I, you know there's going to be just <laughs> chefs and and you know uh, i don't know dealers at casinos and and that right. kind of thing who they're not going to own a business, so this is their largest wealth creator. Right. They Please can. leave that available for them. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think it's so critical. All right. All right. As we love to be on both sides of this, first of all, I, I think the points that you guys bring up, there's certainly concerns there. But I will say this. <clears throat> they're also one of the reasons why you won't see a huge downturn. Right. In markets across the country, <clears throat> agree. So they're not people, sellers. Well, it's not only are they not sellers, but you got to understand because you know supply and demand is very powerful. So because they continue to take supply, mm-hmm. you know we and that was just one area, but we didn't deal with, or they helped us not have to deal with an issue like we dealt with in two thousand eight. Because that inventory was going, and it brings other issues. Don't oh, get me wrong. Yeah, I've got three I, layers I behind what you're I, talking about. I understand. Now. I'm just saying for the person who lived in their house and lost their home and was so substantially underwater, and now they had to uproot their family and the whole bit and affected their credit. And the fact that they won't go through that this time because that floor is there? That uh, No, I said that they are helping in that one example, I don't disagree. There are other mm-hmm. challenges without right, a doubt. Right. But I'm just saying from that standpoint, they're one of the reasons why the inventory is tight. And it's one of the reasons why prices are holding. 
I've heard from so many people. It's my, one of the reasons that pricing got as high as it got. If, if they're out, Wall Street's out there <clears> buying <throat> 20% of the homes on the market, that's, that is shrinking the total available supply. So that home that might have sold for a 5% increase last year sold for a 20% increase because they're sopping up 20% of all the activity, right? Okay. So, they're, I mean, you're just saying there are consequences in all these directions. I agree, 100%. But I will tell you right now, just from the standpoint of as real estate goes, what we went through in 07 and 08, when you had real estate, which skyrocketed the same way, and investors weren't even in that market at that time. Oh, yeah, three, different oh, circumstances. Different circumstances. Like right. your car broke down because your tire, right. not your engine. I got it. Two different things. What right. are we talking about? Right. Well, we're talking about what it did to the marketplace. Yeah. And you don't see that today for numerous reasons. You don't see that today. But it's nice knowing that the people who purchased homes were living in those homes. That investor pool... That investor pool that was out there mm-hmm. for a long time just um, did, did some different aspects to the market that we're not having to do deal with today. I think John's mm. point that they created a floor is is somewhat is valid. And, and let's let's face this though, and John and I can agree that we don't like the impact it has on individuals. But here we have to admit well, they saved us out of the housing crisis. They they pulled our, our feet out of the out of the fire on that one because without them buying up all that inventory at that point, I don't know where housing would have gone because it was it was sliding. Um, I, I would say you know to this is yes, those things happened. I don't think though that they they only happened because of that. No, I, mean, no, I agree. I agree. Had yeah. they never been allowed, had this, had, they, had Wall Street never figured out that hey, we can buy hundreds of thousands of homes and rent them out, and that's a great business, and we make a lot of money. Had they not figured that out, the system would have healed itself in a different way. Yeah. That's my belief. Okay. Oh, really? Absolutely. Same, yeah, because Absolutely. you're not thinking of the individual. You're thinking in group thought. But when you okay. are at home with three kids and you're being well, evicted from your house, yeah, let's it's be a clear. different deal. Those people weren't saved by Wall Street buying their house. Wall, Wall Street was buying the foreclosures. Wall Street was buying the short sales, the distress that was already happening. They're not saving anybody. No, no, no. What I'm saying is today, that 3% of inventory, it's easy when the market's doing this, but in a normalized market, which I think we're moving into, in a normalized market, that having someone there who's, in your word, propping that up, there's benefits to it. And there's negatives, without a doubt. Yeah, okay. Anyways. We can all agree on all of that. Actually, I don't think there's a disagreement there. I think that you guys are saying pretty much the same thing. It's just a question. I mean, John and I have a perspective on this. scale. To protect, yeah. We, there, no we want to protect the individual's access to home ownership. That's all. That's and, all we're I saying. I agree. That's all we're saying. I'm absolutely opposed to, like, government saying business can only do certain things. But right. I also have seen the other side, which is business is infinitely greedy. And if, <laughs> if allowed, it will consume wow. every home in the United States. I don't At know. some point, you let it go long enough, it will buy every single home. I just want you to know his favorite show is Stranger Things. So <laughs> there you go. That, might, that makes a lot of sense uh, to me. Hey, guys, what a fun real estate hour. I got to thank. It's uh, not over. It is over, kids. <laughs> uh, Carly over. and Erica, great job. Can I just go back to the infinitely greedy? That's biz- that's that's a social smart line. I, oh my goodness! Help me, America! Oh right. please! If you ever have a question about real estate or any of the topics we cover, just call me up here or text me at seven zero two two zero three one one six five. Again, that's seven zero two. 203-1165. I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us this week. Remember, while we seek to educate, empower, and engage with you, we want you to learn, understand, then act. We'll meet you on the radio next Saturday at 11. Thanks so much.
Where the heck did the end of the show?